Welcome to the Garden Wise Show with Colorado's most knowledgeable and entertaining garden experts, the Garden Wise Guys, Keith Funk and Jim Borland. Get ready for gardening tips that you can use right now, new plants, hot products, and the latest from horticultural science. The lines are open, so call into the Legend Studio now, 303-477-2473. 303-477-2473. On the air since 1994, the Garden Wise Guys have the answers to your questions about gardening in the high-altitude desert of the Colorado Front Range. And now, here are your hosts, the Garden Wise Guys. And indeed, the hosts are back here on the Garden Wise Show on Legends 810 KLVZ AM. I'm Jim Borland, one of the Garden Wise guys, and Keith Funk. <sighs> He's sitting right next to me over here making me tired. <laughs> hey, in case uh, we don't get you your call today, you can go out and celebrate a couple of things. Uh, today is National Barcode Day. Cool. Where would we be without barcodes? You know, Nas- why, you yeah. know why the Navy put barcodes, the Norwegian Navy put barcodes on all of their ships? Uh, people, you better be sitting down. Okay, what's the punchline? So that when they came back into port, they could Scandinavian. Scandinavian. Okay. Yeah. Uh, That's my bar- favorite dad joke yeah. I've ever, ever bar- been told. <laughs> Mostly because I can remember that. <laughs> I know. And National Chocolate Pudding Day today and Global Smurfs Day. What happened to the Smurfs? Did they gather them all up and send them off someplace? I, I haven't seen were, a Smurf in a long time. They were mistaken for blueberries. And it is it. also National Hascap Berry Day. What? Hascap Berry. I don't I, know what that is. I forget is. what. The, I think that's like a. <laughs> what's an uh, not not. No, no, not blackberries, but uh, raspberry. I, I think it's like a raspberry. Oh, yeah. okay. It's also fish are friends today. So don't eat fish today. <laughs> they are your friends. They are your friends. <laughs> Unless you're a shark. All right, let's see. We've got some people on the line right now that want to talk to us for some reason. So I guess we should go take care of that. We're going to start with Sharon out in Aurora. Good morning, Sharon. Good morning. Hi there. Uh, Jim and Keith. Uh, advice, do not quit your day jobs. Oh, don't, don't worry. comedy, okay? Yeah, don't worry. all right. <laughs> We've only okay. been doing this for 26 years. We, 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 I know, and I've been listening all the time. We have a reservation date in for uh, uh, Las Vegas. <laughs> we might want to rethink that. I huh? can't wait till we can start collecting on our pension. <laughs> Is it a senior yeah. tour? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, seriously, I have a question. I have a ivy geranium that my niece gave me a couple of weeks ago, and the buds, instead of opening, they they are dry, and you can touch them. And there are some little, like fuzz. They're kind of fuzzy, like what would be on a cottonwood tree. That and where where is that fuzz on the plant? On the on just on those buds, and maybe it's natural fuzz, but they're dry. I mean, they don't. Well, if it's white sure. and cottony, it sounds like mealybug to me. They're not on the leaves, which is yeah. curious. Yeah. Or where where is this plant? Well, I have it hanging up. It's hanging on the north side of the house. Okay. But uh, sometimes I move it into the sun. And how often do you water it? Uh, whenever it's dry. Okay. I like that answer. Yeah, that that's a good <laughs> answer. 
I've been listening for a while. I, I was expecting <laughs> you to say you watered every day, and uh, no, on the north side, no, that's no, no. yeah, that could be too much. In which case, what immediately came to mind to me was botrytis. Oh yeah, if it's on the ends of uh, uh, branches or or the, especially the flower buds. I'm I'm concerned about it being on the north side because even ivy geraniums need some sun, <coughs> and you know ideally I, they would be in morning sun and afternoon shade. They would do quite well with that. But if they're in shade all the time, I'm not surprised that the the flower buds are not forming properly. Well, when she gave it to me, she had two of them at her home in Greeley, and they were sitting in hot sun. It was a hot day. Mm-hmm. It was two weeks ago, and didn't have it many you know I just had a couple of little blossoms on it mm-hmm. then uh yesterday i hosed it off really well this was before the rain and i did see a red spider mite on it but that may have been uh coincidental yeah, yeah. if you saw <clears throat> a red spider mite then mm-hmm. it's probably a predatory mite and and not one that's sucking the leaves dry oh. it's looking for the other mites that do that okay. to eat them. Yeah, okay. yeah. I I see them. You know, I you can see them almost anywhere at any time. Where one of them's running across your across your newspaper or across your lap oh, or that's something. Curious. Yeah. So those are not eating the plants. No, or? not the big. If you can see them, that makes them a big spider mite. Yeah. Yeah, I could see it. Okay. Yeah. Just so flick them I off. Just put it in the sun. Give it some morning sun. Yeah, morning sun is best. I'm not sure I'd put it out in 100-degree sun in the no. direct yeah. afternoon. That's too much. Okay. And then f- right. and then you need and to feed it. Are you feeding it with anything? Has it been fed? Yes. Okay, yes. good. I am. Well, pretty much every feeding, you know, half. Okay. Well, actually not that much because it's not blooming that much. Mm-hmm. So a little okay. light on the feed. Okay. A little more sun, I think, will make a big difference for you. Okay. Okay, great. Thanks, guys. You You're bad. <clears throat> All right. So now what? <laughs> I th- I think we, we still have uh, 34 minutes in the show. Uh, 60, no, how many minutes? <laughs> we have 50, <laughs> the 54 minutes in the show left, so we better say something, do well, something. Well, that's true, too. <clears throat> I was going to say something earlier, and now I can't remember what it is because... I saw something shiny, but let's let's oh, okay. move on. And we've got John in Golden waiting to talk to us about herbicides. Good morning, John. Good morning. What's going on with I you today? Heard you, I think I've heard you say that if I mix herbicides from a concentrate, that there's a limited shelf life or effectiveness. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> how long is that? How fast is it? Well, that that's a good question. Uh, that's that's information that's difficult to find. Um, there, there are a lot, a lot of factors involved. Um, is it going to be, is the container, does it allow light to get in there? And is it going to be stored in full light conditions? Is it, is it in the dark? Uh, what are the temperatures it's being subjected to? Does it freeze or get really, really cold in the wintertime? What's the pH of yeah. the water? So all of these things are factors. But yeah, okay. I, I would say mix as much as you're going to use and then... And then that's it. And then don't make any more until you're ready to use it. And the, okay. the question I usually get asked then is, well, what about all these ready-to-use products that sit on the shelf for me- weeks and months and even years? And the, qu- the answer to that is they have stabilizers built into them yeah. so that they don't break down. Okay. So can I go out and buy a stabilizer? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's illegal. <laughs> all right. No, but um, especially yeah. on Roundup, 
Um, that's one of the more common herbicides out there. Roundup and Superkillzol, they're both glyphosate. And it is extremely sensitive to, to uh, water pH, of all things. Yeah. High water pH tends to make it less effective. And, you know, Denver Water, in their infinite wisdom, has jacked our water pH up to like 9. So it's, it's way up there now. So you need to uh, be, okay. be careful with that. Well, can I counter that a bit by uh, mixing at a higher concentration? Um, yes and no. A better solution would be just go out and buy some distilled water. Yeah. That would probably okay. work best. Although distilling, I don't know the changes to pH. So. All right. And then if I, uh, I end up having some Roundup around and then I've got some of the other types of herbicide and mm-hmm. occasionally I use... <clears throat> one or the other and then a few days later i'm out there looking and there's the weeds are still growing so i spray it with the other kind am i counteracting anything or no not really uh as long as you're using a different applicator yeah okay yeah i want to caution people on that uh, <clears throat> i think keith does and i certainly have i have an applicator a, a spray tank if you will uh, specifically for Roundup and nothing else, and another one that I use for broadleaf weeds only that I can use in the lawn, and I do not mix the two. Okay, yeah, I keep all mine separate. Yeah, the problem is if you have a Roundup uh, in a container and uh, and you use all that up, or you think you use it all up, there's probably still some left in there, if not in the container, then in the hose. And then you use right. a broadleaf killer in there, and now you're getting around to mixing the two, and that's not a good idea. And you use that to spray it on the lawn, and guess what? Now we're killing the lawn, too. <laughs> right. Now, but I guess to answer yeah. your original question is um, most, well, I don't even say most, some pesticides will start to deteriorate within, you know, 24 hours. I mean, it's not like a flick, you flick a switch and, <clears throat> you know, hour two it works and hour 12 it doesn't. But... Uh, it, they do start to de- degrade uh, fairly quickly. A lot of them do, but I, I'd say you're probably safe with, you know, five to seven days. Okay. All right. And then uh, I caught part of an earlier caller that was asking about a tree drench for aphids. Yeah. Uh, I missed what product you were recommending there. Well, I like the Fertilome product. It's called the soil. What's it called? Tree, tree and shrub soil drench. Yeah. Okay, all right. Does that also affect the borers in my pine trees? Well, it depends on what kind of borer. If the borer is yeah. into the wood of the tree, no, it will not work. Okay, all if, right. If it's one of the borers that only gets into the bark area, then it will work. Although, if it's a certain kind of borer, and now there are several species, that once they get into the tree, uh, they have already inoculated the tree with a fungus. And once okay. they have done that, whether the the bore is still there or not is irrelevant. Okay. Well, I've I've got some that have got uh, been had the evidence, you know, with the sap oozing out the tree, trying to fight them off mm-hmm. for maybe ten years or more, and they're still relatively healthy, but have those spots where the sap is oozing out. Uh, yeah, you can use this soil drench on those trees. Now, eventually, those bores are going to come back out of the tree. As adults, and they they want to start the process all over again to find the you know get the male and female together and lay more eggs. 
And once they do that, and then the new larvae that catch from the eggs start boring into through the bark, that's when the soil drench will work. Okay. It'll get them and kill them dead. What kind of pine are we talking about? Oh, uh, pinions are a couple of them at least. Yeah, I I was... Austrian pine, I think. Okay. Yeah, that pinion bore... It does stay up at the bark level. It doesn't bore down into the wood, so that's kind of nice. That's helpful. And something else you might want to pay attention to, uh, the Austrian pine will will actually require, you know, a good deal of water. The pinion pine here really don't need any water Okay. once they're established. And if you do water them, like with the lawn, every time you water the lawn, now the pinion is getting too much water. Yeah. And that will put it under stress. And pinions under stress will attract bores. Uh-huh. Okay. So it's a two-pronged approach. You want to get rid of the bores you have, and if you can, you know, pull back on the water into the pinions. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. That takes care of me today. All righty, sir. Excellent, John. Thanks for calling. Appreciate the show. Thanks. You bet. we got a couple of pinions in our neighborhood that uh, the best, and some of them are really good looking, and the best one is on a slope. And I don't think they water anything in that lawn. Mm-hmm. And it looks great. <laughs> I mean, that's one that's one pine, one plant that I can think of that planting them up on a berm is actually helping them. Uh, I, yeah, I still don't like to see evergreens on, on top of a berm. But if you have to, that would be the one. There you go. Although over the past week, I've seen two occasions. One on north on I-25, and it was around an, an oil facility. I don't know whether they were doing their pumping or what have you, but big, huge berms put up around there. Mm-hmm. Planted on top of which were Colorado blue spruce. I was going to say spruce. <laughs> now, I can't think of a worse tree to put up on a berm. Oh, and, no. And guess what? What? Half of them were dead. I don't well, know why. I don't either. Yeah. I, I, we had a landscape go in near our house that as uh, a commercial situation, and big berms all around. And I guess they plant these trees up on top to give them you know, some extra height. Yeah, you know, right right off yeah. The we know why they do it. Yeah. yeah. I, and I told my wife, I said, see those, see those spruces on the top of the berms? Those are going to die first. And then the ones halfway down will die next, and then the yeah. ones all the way at the bottom will probably survive. Guess what? <laughs> it took a year. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, we drove by another place that uh, was a, I guess you'd call it an urban ranch. Uh, you know, the fences were done just smartly, and they had horses in there, so there was money involved there. But the entire f- field was surrounded with a beautiful fence and Colorado blue spruce. Mm. There had to be at least 300 of them. Oh, dear Lord. Thank God. That's a lot of water. It is. These are not low-water plants. No. Just because they're a needled evergreen, (laughs) you kind of think that they are a low-water or xeric plant. And they're not. I don't even think our pines are xeric, to be honest with you. No, they're not. Depends how you define xeric. If you're back east, xeric means instead of 40 inches, you can get by by 30 inches of Mm -hmm. moisture a year. But here, xeric, to me, if, if they can live on our natural rainfall, which is... Or moisture is, you know, 12 to 14 inches a year. To me, that's zero. Yeah, and last year was eight, by the way, yeah. here in the local area. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and this and year, it's going to be closer to probably 12, 14. Now, 
opinions will survive on that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ponderosa? Not, not so, much. so much. No. Austrians, definitely not. No, definitely not. No. Spruces and firs? No way. No way. way. <laughs> or, or, um, oh, what's that? or white firs? No. Concolor firs? No. Neither. No, not either. They all need supplemental water. It's a very hostile climate here. You know, you look back 150 years ago, and if you, if you were sitting where we are and look out across the city, you wouldn't see a tree. It would if be you did, a barren landscape. If folks. you did see a tree, you'd know that there was a river there. It, yes, <laughs> yes. And, and as we look out here, I know there's a couple of streams going down from where we are here. Mm-hmm. That's where you would see maybe a couple of cottonwoods, not a lot, and lots of willows. Mm-hmm. And probably a lot of, of shrubby willows, not the big ones. Right. And that's it. It would look, re- otherwise it would look barren from up here, 12 stories tall. Everything else needs supplemental water. Yep. Speaking of which, if you want to check out the Facebook page, I did put up a, a posting of, you know, a piece of my front yard. Mm. And I identified everything you can see in the picture. And there'll be a lot of names there you've probably never heard of before. But it's pretty because also blooming now. I have swaths of blue alliums, mm. allium, cerulean? cerulean, or azurium. It, and I don't know if the names are interchangeable, but they both give you the idea that, that they are true sky blue alliums. I have hundreds of them now. Nice. I planted one bulb <laughs> years ago. One. You gave me some. Yeah. You want a, you want a couple thousand more? No, but I... <laughs> I did, I did plant them in one <coughs> location and then decided, no, that's not enough sun for them. I need to move them. So I moved them to a better location. Well, they came back in the first location. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And by the way, I'm not watering any of these. Yeah, I no. know you're not. Yeah. And they look marvelous. How tall are yours? You're probably three and a half, four feet. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that's about what mine are. Yeah. And they get watered regularly. Yeah. I mean, they'll perform better and they'll probably have bigger heads with extra water. But they don't need it. Just I, I don't think you can buy them anywhere. Oh, I've seen them. Have you uh, in mail order catalogs like um, oh, oh yeah, Brent and uh, Becky's yeah, and yeah, that yeah, sort of thing. There. Yeah, Ben Borgenden will have them once in a while, but it's it's either cerulean or azurium. I don't remember which one it is. Both of them refer yeah. to the color blue. Yeah. So, and you're not going to see them in bulbs displays, mm-hmm. bare bulbs in uh, garden centers, and probably not in a pot either. You know, the bloom time is only like a week or two. and By the time they bloom, the foliage looks terrible. Yeah, so that's like 54 weeks of nothing. <laughs> so, And that's a, that will never sell in a pot. No. <laughs> but it's an All interesting right. plant. I think we have to take a break. Okay, why don't we, we do got, that? We'll yeah, come back I, and talk right, to we're you. We're going to take a little break here. Steve's going to uh, get you apprised of some stuff. And then we're going to come back here and take calls from... Jolene, Jolie, and Susie, right here on Legends 810. Unwanted and unsightly suckers driving you up a tree? Are you tired of cutting and pulling the little suckers? Spray them with Sucker Stopper. Sucker Stopper works, and it works now. Spray Sucker Stopper on those suckers that grow from roots and pruning cuts, and those suckers are history. Sucker Stopper's ready-to-spray formulation stops sucker growth on trees and woody ornamental plants. Ask for Sucker Stopper at your local garden supply store. Products that work from Monterey Lawn and Garden. Rain or shine, stop by Jared's Nursery Gift and Garden to check out the great selection of annuals and perennials in stock. 
Trucks arrive almost daily with flowers, ornamental grasses, and shrubs. It is not too late to start some of the warm season veggies from seed, cucumbers, beans, squash, also some of the root crops, such as carrots and beets. The leafy veggies are fine if provided with shade. As always, Jared's has a great gift store and some fun garden art. Lots of dragons this year, as well as many other unusual items. Stop in and check them out. Pots include several styles of aqua pots, the new stylish ceramic self-watering pots you see advertised everywhere. These pots, developed by proven winners, are not only stylish, but they reduce water usage and make it much easier to keep the plants happy and healthy. Jared's Nursery Gift and Garden on West Bulls Avenue between Kipling and Sims. Hours are 9 to 6 weekdays and 9 to 5 weekends. Hope to see you soon. Call into the Fix It Show with your questions about your home. Saturday morning at 930. Specializing in heating and cooling problems, legendary hosts Deborah and Adam bring decades of experience and award-winning expertise to their live, interactive Fix-It show. Helping your home weather Colorado's unique climate and temperature swings. You have questions, they have answers. Call into the Fix-It show every Saturday morning from 930 to 1030 on Legends. All right, folks, we are back here on the Garden Wise Show with the Garden Wise Guys, Jim Borland and Keith Funk on Legends 810. Taking your garden questions at the following phone number, 303-477-2473. So please pick up your phone and dial in with a garden question in mind. Hey, you know what I would like to know? Hello. From our callers today. Have you seen any Japanese beetles yet? I've not seen one, and I also have not seen very many grasshoppers at all, and I did not expect that. I haven't seen a single Japanese beetle yet either, and I'd like to know why. Yeah, so we can do it again. I demand <laughs> an answer. So we can do it again. That's right, because we're going to have a caller in a little while who's going to be calling up uh, to talk to us about Phylum Bioproducts Beetle Gone and Grub Gone. You know they're going to be here. Eventually, yeah. I don't like it. I I kind of missed... Changing the subject slightly here, I kind of miss not having cicadas around like I did when I was a kid. I do miss that sound. I don't miss I don't miss a carpet of them on the ground. Wow, I miss. I'd like to see it again <laughs> in somebody else's yard. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a different state. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, let's get back out to the phones. We've got uh, Jolene, I believe, is up first out in Denver. Good morning, Jolene. Good morning, guys. How are you? Just ducky. How are you? Pretty good. Um, I have not seen any Japanese beetles. That's good. My report. Good. And um, the, what, what I was asking is, I have some very old rose bushes, um, and they're 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 the floribunda. Yeah, they're the floribunda. They're, there's a they get like right now. I'm looking out and I'm looking at a one with beautiful pink, and it's just covered because of all the rain we mm-hmm. had. Yeah. Now. I by when they I have never cut them off. I'll cut a couple off and put them in the house. Mm-hmm. Now, if I went and deadheaded them just like I do my reg, my annuals, will that help them to reproduce more flowers later in the season? I don't think they produce seed, do they, Keith? 
No, uh, they might produce hips. I guess that would or, be the same or, as okay, seeds. Okay, seeds, yeah, hips. But, yeah, it's a good idea to deadhead them or prune those old flower heads back to encourage new growth from the, from the uh, stem below where you cut. And the uh, the conventional wisdom is is to start you know where the dead flowers are and work your way back down the stem until you find a five a five leaflet leaf. Okay. Because so usually I like the to do on my on my regular road. Yeah, exactly. Because that way you know that you're cutting back into wood that is capable of producing new growth that will bloom again. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I'm going to try that this year because. The, the flowers are so beautiful, and then I, they bloom in the spring, like now. Mm-hmm. They're just green the rest of the year. <laughs> it may be the variety, too, Jolene. Okay. I mean, they're, they're not always ever bloomers. Some varieties are, you know, they do their thing in the spring, and then, you know, that's, that's all the energy they have for you. Okay. But uh, it, it may just be the variety. Okay. Well, um, I'm going to try it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You haven't got anything to lose. No, that's right. Um, I'm, I'm going to let them bloom, and then I'm going to cut them back, like you say, to the nearest five leaves. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll check in later this year and see how they're doing. Yes, and report back to us as well. Will do. <clears throat> All right. Thank Thanks for calling. Me. Thank you much. Okay. This dead air is brought to you by. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I was focusing. I was concentrating. Oh, that's it. See, you see that bright, shiny object out there. I know. I it's know. all over. What can I say? Uh, let's see. We've got uh, Susie waiting to talk to us about her redbud tree. Good morning, Susie. Hi, how are you? Good. What's going on with you today? Well, thank you for taking my call. Of course. I have no Japanese beetles in this area. We haven't yet, so I don't want to jinx myself. Lucky you. That's great. I know. I have a redbud tree that we planted about five years ago, and it was about six feet tall at the time. And it did absolutely awesome for about the first three years. It bloomed like crazy, and it was beautiful. And then it was hit with that storm, and it split the trunk from bottom to top. Mm-hmm. And we ended up cutting it down to the ground. <clears throat> And it came back. It came back, and it bloomed like crazy again. And then it was hit with another storm, mm-hmm. and the same thing happened. It split from bottom to top. And then the next year, it came back with all the suckers. Yeah. So we decided last year to let all the suckers grow up, and she did just to see what happened. About thirteen, fifteen suckers came up, and they grew up, and about up five or six feet tall but if a car drove by it would snap them off they were that spindly yeah they they dropped back to the ground and this year it's trying it again and we thought well we'll just cut them all back except one sucker is it going to do this every year should we just kill it 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 kind of depends um i'm more concerned about the splitting uh, one thing you may want to uh, become a little no- more knowledgeable on is this thing called included bark. Uh, you usually see this where branches uh, form a V, a very tight V. Some of those Vs are okay, and uh, by and large, the rest of them are not. They are they have a tendency to split when they have uh, 
stress uh, in terms of weight or wind uh, uh, pressing on the uh, on those branches, and you'll get that mm-hmm. splitting. Uh, and there's a way to avoid that if you can recognize the splitting or you can recognize the V being formed somewhere up in the canopy. And well, the way you, you correct that is you cut out one of those stems right back well, to where it attaches to the Yeah, It's literally yeah. one stem that's maybe five inches tall. Yeah, oh, I, th- I okay. think you're going to have problems every year with them being very poorly attached to where they're regenerating from the old stump okay and uh, they'll just snap off with snap off with yeah. the lightest provocation that i don't think you'll ever get a decent tree out of it again okay that's what i was afraid of should you want to plant another one uh it, look at the new tree in the nursery and see if there's this thing called included bark already there once it's there, it does never it never corrects itself. It's going to be up to you okay. to correct it, and uh, you may not want to even attempt that if you haven't paid for it yet. Is this a tree that would? So my sewer line is probably about five six feet away from this area. Is this a tree that would generate toward the sewer line? What kind of sewer do you have? Do you know whether it's a plastic uh, sewer line or it's is clay. it? It's clay. The, that one, the, uh, the clays are always a potential problem. I don't know if that's going to be far enough away. Do you know okay. how deep? Do you know how deep it is? Uh, easily five, six feet yeah. deep. You, you may be okay. I don't know that the root system on red buds is all that extensive. But that's, I've never seen a uh, red bud uprooted. As you do at other trees, oftentimes in windstorms, snowstorms, yeah. uh, they they just topple, and then you get a, a chance to look at the root system. I don't think I've ever seen that with the red bud. They typically have a fairly shallow fibrous yeah. root system that I, I doubt is going to get five or six feet deep. Now, cottonwood, that's a different story. All right. <laughs> yeah, the funny thing about Are sewer... Are good for this area, <laughs> red buds? Uh, they're, they're okay if they're in the right spot. Yeah. It's taken me... How many years, Jim? <laughs> to We've find been doing the show how long? 26 20, years, yeah. Doris, Keith. It's <laughs> uh, not the best tree then. It, it's, it's, a, it's okay if you have the right location for it. Um, the funny thing is, is on a good blooming year, I drive up and down roads, uh, streets in town, and think, I've never noticed a redbud there before, but it's in full bloom, and it's been there for years. Yeah. But you yeah. don't really ever notice them until they bloom. Right. But they're typically always in some shade. Oh, this yeah. is full sun and had no protection whatsoever. That's yeah. This little factoid probably won't be very helpful, but on clay uh, sewer lines, if there's no break in the line, you're not going to get roots into that sewer line. But if there is okay. a break and it's leaking uh, and a root happens to find its way down there, now you have a potential problem. But it wasn't the tree right. that caused the problem. It was the break in your sewer line. Yeah. But a redbud tree is a, is a forest edge tree where they, they grow under the canopies of much larger trees. But on the edge where they get full sunlight part of the day. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So mine is kind of nestled well, in amongst a linden and a ponderosa pine. And it gets a little sun in the afternoon. 
but for the most part, it just gets very bright light from, um, from these older trees being limbed up quite a ways. Okay. Well, that helps a lot. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I thank you for giving us the okay. call. Okay. Have a good holiday. All right. Thank you. Okay, you too. Stay, uh, stay dry. Although it's looking oh, pretty promising. No, let's hope for rain. Okay. <laughs> it's, uh, well, you stay okay, dry and let the rest of it uh, okay. get wet. All right. Thanks. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Yeah, the skies look kind of promising <clears throat> to have a nice day. Uh, half of it, I can see lots of blue up there. <clears throat> but you know what's going to happen later in the day. It always gets cloudy after, after noon. Yeah. And then we'll have another downpour. It looks like for the next few days in a row. Yep. I'll, so. I'll take it, by the way. I got up last night for whatever reason, and I heard the sprinkler system running. No. So I had to turn off the alarm, Go the dogs, got the dogs up, <laughs> went to the garage, turned off the sprinkler system. Oh, yeah, that's right. You can do that from inside the house. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, not <clears throat> the sort of thing you want to do at 2 o'clock in the morning. No, not really. And now the dogs are up and they're rambunctious. And, and my brain is awake. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do with the dogs then? Do they go back to sleep? Uh-huh. Okay. They wrestle a little bit, but then they <coughs> go back to sleep. Okay. They wrestle on the bed? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Just just, just checking. Not, <coughs> not that I need to pry into your private affairs there, Keith. But, uh. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, on, can you, here, here's, here's a question. When was a toothbrush invented? I'll give you a clue. Ooh. It was invented on this date. Oh, all right. On this day of the month. Hmm. <coughs> what You'll year? be surprised. What year was the toothbrush invented? I'm going to... Was it in the 1900s? I'm going to... I'm going to give you lots of leeway. I'll give you... You can just guess the century. The century? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> the 1700s. Way too late. Way too late. Yeah, people have uh, been brushing their teeth for like 200 years already. No kidding. Yeah, 1498. Huh. It was uh, invented in China, of all places, and they use hog bristles. <clears throat> no way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Until they invented nylon, they were all hog bristles. It seems to me I remember those as a kid. I don't know if I ever used one, but, but since nylon was invented you know, during my term... Uh, I, I probably did and just don't remember. So there you go. <clears throat> uh, other items, other things that happened on this date. Well, today is uh, National Barcode Day, and it's called that because on this date in 1974, and you may want to take note of this, at the Marsh Supermarket in Troy, Ohio, a lady by the name of Sharon Buchanan became the first cashier to scan a universal product code, a UPC code. That's the barcode, folks. Mm -hmm. The 59 black and white barcode was used on a 67-cent 10-pack of Wrigley's Juicy Fruit Gum. Really? Yep. And I'll even tell you what the scanner was. The scanner was a Spectra Physics Model A. <clears throat> We're probably up to Model Z by now. I don't know. I would think. Yeah. So there's some stuff uh, you can use at uh, <clears throat> at your next trivia gathering. All right, um, let's see what else is going on here. Um, 
<clears throat> the number of other things that took place this day. Uh, the first movie theater in the U.S. opened and charged 10 cents for admission on this date in 1896. Seems like 10 cents back then. That was, that was a good bit. I remember paying 25 cents to go to the movies. Yeah, me too. Yep. And if I was lucky, I had another dime, and, and typically that was not the, ca not the case. We'd come out of the movie theater and go down the street and, and get a piece of pizza. A piece of pizza? Yeah. And if you were lucky, you had another nickel or something, and you could actually get some pepperoni on it. That was it. Those were the two toppings you had, uh, you know, the tomato sauce and pepperoni. No cheese? Nothing else. No cheese? I don't think there was any cheese on it, no. Ew. I, <laughs> hey, come on. It was way back then. You only paid a dime for it. That's true. <clears throat> but on each table, they had a jar full of those pepper flakes. Mm-hmm. Well, you had to get some flavor somewhere. <laughs> I guess. Those were the days. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Well, let's see. What time we got? Okay, let's go out and talk to uh, Amy out in Lakewood about her roses. Good morning, Amy. Good morning. Um, I moved into a home that has some beautiful, well-established roses. I don't know a lot about them since I didn't plant them. But last summer, I had a rose bush that had large pink flowers. And this spring, it had a lot of new shoots on it, and they were all tiny red roses. Oh. Yeah. So I'd like to know what happened to this rose. Um, if I cut back all of those shoots that have the little red ones and just left um, a few tall stalks that did get a couple of the big pink blooms, um, can I save it? And how do I prevent the same thing from happening to the other rose bushes? Well, what's happened is that uh, you know, most roses are grafted, okay? And so the, those little tiny red roses, that was an indication that those sprouts were coming from the, the rootstock. And, and those need to be removed. And, you, and by now, you probably already just be able to tell the difference by sight, the difference in the leaf type. Mm -hmm. uh, so whenever you see that kind of leaf being produced on a shoot, those need to be cut back to the, the, where they originate again. Uh, on the stem or the root of the plant okay in favor of the the growth that produces the pink flowers okay and that's that's about all you can do if you end up losing the entire top part of the plant or the pink flowering part all you'll have left are, is the rootstock coming up and at that point you just dig it out and throw it away okay is that something that comes with age with roses? No, or? it comes with uh, typically uh, bad, uh, hard winters. Oh, okay. Ki killing the top back. Okay. Or, or aliens. Okay. <laughs> okay, thank you. And you had brought up the penstemons earlier and um, bright, shiny object. Um, when those stop flowering or the flowers uh, fade. Do you uh, cut those back, or do you just leave the stalks with the faded flowers alone? Uh, unless you want seeds, I, you, you can cut the entire flower and stalk right to the ground. Okay. Uh, typically, you'll have a lot of green leaves down there, mm -hmm. and um, and th and that's typically that's it for the year. Okay, but um, as soon as they fade, you don't have to go in and cut them back. No, you no. 
You can just leave them up if you want. Eventually, that stock will will die back, and uh, it'll be dead over the winter. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Thanks for calling this morning. Thanks. Have a good day. You too. Speaking of Pennsylvania, I uh, and you mentioned uh, Pennsylvania Barbados, and that's uh, actually it's one of our native ones, just south of us here in Colorado Springs. Uh, red flowers, and one year I had one. I don't remember where I got it. I may have started it from seed. I just don't remember, but it turned into a magnificent multi-stem. Had to be up four feet tall, mm -hmm. just covered in red flowers. Yep, for weeks and weeks and weeks, um, and I. Made sure I gathered some seed on it, and that one year, that was it. It's all the, all the breath it had in it, and it's no kidding. gone. Well, I usually will go through, because mine get massive too, and I usually go through after it finishes blooming, and I'll cut 80% of the flower stalks off mm -hmm. after they're done, and I'll leave 20% to go to seed, yep. just so that I have that insurance policy. And it seems to work. So far, so good. And mm -hmm. usually the lower ones uh, are the best seed-producing flowers. So oh, are they? That's a good thing to, to keep okay. the lower ones on. Well, it, it cleans up the bed. <clears throat> it makes it look a little bit more mm -hmm. tidy. And uh, I just don't feel like I need that much penstemon seed scattered all over <coughs> my yard. Thank you very yes, much. Yes, you do. No. Yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> you got a big yard. It's my yard. It, it'll take thousands of penstemons. <laughs> thousands, exactly. Exactly. So, anyway, I, I really have been pleased with the way the penstemons have behaved <clears throat> this year. And there are lots of penstemons out there. I don't know that there are that many in the garden centers, but there are roughly 250 species of penstemons in the western United States. That's a lot. It, it is. It's a huge number. Yeah. And it seems like they keep coming up and finding new ones still. Yeah, and they, and they range in size from these little... Oh, rock yeah. garden, yeah. mat-forming <coughs> tiny things, mm -hmm. all the way up to what Jim was talking about, four- and five-foot-tall, yep. gorgeous red flowers. Penstemon grandiflorus is a great one. And Penstemon palmeri. Oh, yeah? Uh, some argument now on Facebook on whether it's truly native to Colorado. It has been used extensively in uh, roadside vegetation. So it's been seeded in all over the place, and it's persisting. So it's hard to say now whether it ever was native or not. But it is, I think, the one, there may be more now, uh, it was the only one that was fragrant. Really? Yep. Is Bridger Eye native? Bridges? To the western United States, yes. Yeah, okay. Yep. Now, curiously, the people in England have, have noticed our pen stems. And have taken a number of them and have interbred them. And they have named varieties, many of which are not hardy here. Yeah, a lot of them <coughs> Because they use not. some southern species. But, <coughs> mm -hmm. uh, so you got to be kind of careful. Yeah. Oh, we're going to take a break? We do need to take a break. All One right. One last break. Yeah, we better do that because Steve's a big guy, and I don't want him to come in here and punch me in the he face He scares me. <laughs> okay. We'll be back right after Steve does this to you here on Legends 810. It's like the difference between soft, gentle rain and a monsoon. That's how I compare the effect of a Dram Rain wand on plants to the hard blast of a typical spray nozzle attachment to your garden hose. 
Water flows through 400 tiny holes in the Dram Rain Wand's soft shower nozzle to bathe and refresh your plants, not damage them or wash away soil. Its handy reach handle has a 60-degree bend and conveniently extends to more distant garden rows and hanging baskets. And there's a fingertip shutoff valve. No wonder professional growers in the greenhouses and nurseries use DRAM watering tools. Today, there are imitators, but nothing matches the superior quality of the original, invented over 50 years ago. They're simply the best. DRAM watering tools are available at Tagawa Gardens, Nick's Gardens, Jared's Garden Center, and Lafayette Florist and Greenhouse. In the spring, everything is about the roots. Use Fertilome Root Stimulator in Plant Starter Solution for everything you plant. Trees, shrubs, ornamentals, and flowers. Make three applications 10 to 14 days apart and get up to 33% more roots. More roots means summer hardiness, increased drought tolerance, and less insect and fungus issues. Fertilome Root Stimulator in Plant Starter Solution also reduces transplant shock and promotes greener, more vigorous plants. Ask for it at your favorite local independent nursery, garden center, or hardware store, including Wilmore Nursery in Littleton, The Tree Farm in Longmont, Tagawa Gardens in Centennial, and Jared's Nursery in Littleton. Well, summer is in full swing now, and look who's back. Those nasty Japanese beetles, and they're ready to wreak havoc on your garden. If you're looking to successfully control Japanese beetles without damaging the environment, look no further than Beetle Gone from Phylum Bioproducts. Derived from a naturally occurring soil bacteria, Beetle Gone is the only organic solution that successfully controls those destructive beetle invaders. Just mix the powder with water and spray on your plants. Once ingested, they stop feeding and die. And since it's an organic BT product, rest assured it's a safe choice to use on your fruits and veggies in addition to your ornamental flowers and trees. Not only does Beetle Gone work on adult Japanese beetles, it is completely safe to use around beneficials such as ladybugs, butterflies, and bees. And it has no issues with water toxicity. Beetle Gone from Phylum Bioproducts. Target the pest and not the rest. You'll find Beetle Gone at your favorite independent garden center. And make sure you tell them that the Garden Wise Guys sent you. And we're back. The Garden Wise Show on Legends 810 with the Garden Wise Guys. We're doing garden. Oh, I should tell people, uh, especially new people here to the state, What's gardening like here in uh, in Denver? Well, record high temperature for this date. This happened not that long ago, 2012. 105 degrees. Hmm. Record low for this date, 1947. 40 degrees. So that's a difference, people. On this date in history, the temperature can be anywhere from 65 degrees apart. And it would be normal. Whatever that is. Yeah. So there you go. Like I said, Colorado is a very hostile climate to plants. It is. And by the way, our daylight now is getting shorter. Oh, you would have to say that. Yep. Already. We're on the downhill slide. Snow's just around the corner. <laughs> oh, by the way, it snowed last night up in the mountains. Did it really? <clears throat> yeah, on the tippy tops. But oh. then... 
if if you're a hiker and you do mountain climbing, uh, you can expect snow, grapple, any time in summer. Yeah. Any time. So go prepared. Don't just go up there in your sneakers and shorts and t-shirt. You're asking for trouble. Yeah. <clears throat> and no water. They'll be and no water. Yeah. They'll be sending helicopters up. And no, there are no Starbucks up there. No, they're not. And don't drink from the streams. Uh, no. Do, and you'll pay for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there, done that. Yeah. Didn't do it and haven't done it again. Never. Never, never, never. And no. uh, we were, my wife and I took a trip up to <laughs> Guanella Pass. This is just above Georgetown. Yeah. And we decided to go the back way this, this time instead of taking 70 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. up to Georgetown. We, we went 285 back around to Grant. Yep. And took that... What a beautiful drive. Yeah, it is. Fabulous. <clears throat> and you get up there and the wildflowers, just a spectacular year. All this moisture yep. has been really helpful. So it's worth it to get out there and take a look. That's why rock gardeners do what rock gardeners do. They grow a lot of that kind of stuff in their mm-hmm. rock gardens. That's right. And by the way, you can't grow it all down here in the hot, dry no. temperature. I don't care how much water you throw at it too hot nights can be too hot for them mm-hmm. that's the problem i tried growing mechanopsis this year for <coughs> seed <laughs> shut up <laughs> i was watching a show today this morning before i came to the studio about a guy in scotland scotland that grows a bunch of different kinds of mechanopsis mm-hmm. and he was saying well they're very simple to grow you <laughs> just need to supply these key ingredients <laughs> I can just stick it where the sun don't shine. Yeah. And Mechanopsis, by the way, are Himalayan blue poppies. This is a common name for them. And they are sky blue. There's even some red ones, though. Yeah, there are other color ones. Yeah. yeah. I mean, natural, nat- natively. Uh-huh. I don't know if anybody's done any hybridizing. I don't know why you'd want to. There's good enough. Good enough. Oh, yeah. There's is. definitely hybrids. Yeah. He showed he showed a bunch of different things, but you know you want to you want to make sure that they get some shade and good drainage, but they always need to have moisture around them at all times, but not too much. <laughs> it's like oh, go away. <laughs> when you figure out one that will grow in the desert, let me know. Yeah, and I'll try it here. At, in the at, meantime, twelve percent humidity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how are you going to keep moisture around it at all times? Yeah. All right, let's get out to talk to uh, let's get out to Centennial. We've got Don waiting to talk to us about hydrangeas. Good morning, Don. Good morning. We have uh, two. Uh, well, getting some feedback here. <laughs> Just okay. We have uh, two pinky winky hydrangeas. Mm-hmm. And uh, we planted those three years ago, and then two years ago we bought another one. The two we planted first are, you know, uh, kind of chlorotic. They're lack of iron, I guess. They have a light green leaf. Okay. The, the one we bought two years ago is it's fine. It's deep green leaves. Okay. The same same grower and everything. All right. Is, are they planted in the same area? Yeah, they're they're planted next to each, each other. The the two that are chlorotic. They get a little more sun. Okay, well that should be okay for Pinky Winky. It's a paniculata type. Yeah. And they like they like the sun. Um, uh, hmm. Are they getting enough water? Yeah, water them all, all the same. Okay. 
Well, if it's if they're getting more sun, I would I would assume that they're going to need more water than the more recently <coughs> planted ones that aren't in as much sun. Yeah. But, um, and what are you feeding them with? Because they are very heavy feeders. That's what I heard. We just fed them once. I don't know, fertile home 11, 15, 11. Okay. Yeah, I would I would use that monthly. Okay. As soon as they start to leaf out in the spring, and I would I would go at least through August. Okay. Every week. Monthly. Oh, excuse me, monthly. Okay. Yeah, is this? A, I'm sorry. Is this a granule or a, or a water soluble powder? Uh, granule. Granule. Okay. Yeah. 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 Use the use the granules about once a once a month. Just scatter it down and water it in well. Okay. And hopefully that'll make a difference. Okay. Sounds good. All right. By the way, we get, we're in West Centennial, and we got three inches in our rain gauge this morning. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> three and a tenth. My gosh. My goodness. Yeah. That's... Very good. Ha- have you seen any uh, Japanese beetles yet? No, we haven't. Uh, good. We usually see lots of them, but nothing yet. Oh, boy. Maybe That's... they got molded away. Maybe. Uh, I'm maybe. hoping. Wouldn't that be nice? Maybe they all moved to Florida. <laughs> good place. All right. Okay, thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks for the call. Yeah, no Japanese beetles yet in my yard. I haven't seen them. I haven't been looking for them, but they, you know, they usually find me first. So, I've been watching for them because yeah. I had expected them by now. Yeah, there'll be there'll be a few key plants I'll be looking at. Uh, they'll be on my grapes first, of course. Yep. And uh, Virginia creeper. And, and I don't have that, but yes, they will be on Virginia creeper. And of course, roses. And yep, yep. Those are the kind of the canary in the coal mine yeah. plants in the yard. Yeah, I, I should check that. I haven't looked at any of that stuff closely, but I, like I said, it usually finds me first, and, and I see it out of the corner of my eyes. Oh, God, here they are. Now what? Now, now what? what? <laughs> it's always something. Well, before we go talk to David, and I want to get to him before we run out of time, um, I guess our caller about the Japanese beetle product isn't going to call in. I just wanted to say that if you're going the organic route and you want a good Japanese beetle killer, you want to look for a, a product that Phylum Bio product makes. It's called Beetle Gone. Not Beetle Be Gone, but just Beetle Gone. And that will, that's a, an organic product. It's a bacterial byproduct that kills the adult beetle, which is very good. If, uh, on the other hand, you're, you're not concerned about the organic aspects of things, then Bonide pr- produces a really good product called Eight E-I-G-H-T. Both of those products work extremely well. And uh, I highly recommend them. All right, let's get out and talk to David in Denver, see what he wants to talk about. Good morning, David. Good morning. How are you guys? I'm just living the dream, man. How about you? I'm doing okay. Yeah, I'm in a Denver Urban Garden, and uh, I have a kill. Probably don't say it right. Uh, plants. I have three of them. I'm wondering when I should cut the leaves. They're uh, kale plants? Yes. Well, the, usually the younger the better, isn't it, Jim? Yep. I, I'm not a kale eater, so I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, I've you can you can cut the leaves any time you want. Okay. Any so size. The better, though. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> the the uh, the young growth is probably the the tastiest and uh, less okay. less kale-y. <laughs> Okay. Less chewy. And then how how should I cut that? You don't tear it. You usually cut it with. No, you cut the whole uh, cut the whole leaf off right down to the base. Okay, but uh, you cut it off with a knife or... Yeah, I use a knife, yeah. I mean, use okay. scissors or clippers or something. 
And, and before you get a gather them all up to take them into the kitchen, you'll see that there's brand new growth already up there. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, because they're supposed to just reproduce. Yeah. Yeah, they love this then, cool temperature and lots of moisture. The same thing with the. Uh, I have a bunch of jalapeno peppers and stuff. You cut them off. You don't tear them. No, you you probably want to cut them off. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think that's all I had. I just planted some carrots before the rain started. Uh, they should be uh, they should be okay by, before the end of the season to to grow. Uh, yeah, I think so. You'll have something there. They may not be full length carrots, depending on whether you have the the long carrots or the short ones. I think they're the long ones. Yeah, be sure you keep them moist though while they're germinating. Yes, every yeah, day at least did. at least twice a day, and then thin yeah. them. <laughs> Once they're yeah. up and growing well, right. thin them so that they have room to produce that root. Right. I got. I'm going to have to thin them out because them seeds are just tiny. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks for your call this morning, David. You have a good day. You too. I got kohlrabi coming on. Do you? Not quite there yet. Oh, I could harvest some almonds, I guess, but I'm going to wait until they get to be softball size. They're no good that size. <laughs> If you grow them well and keep them well watered and fertilized, they are good when they get big. But you're right. I, typically, you don't let them get that big. Yeah, <clears> I always find that the, the toward the base where it connects to the yeah. stem, it gets really woody and fibrous yeah. and yep. chewy, and you end up spitting it out. <laughs> Pit it out. <laughs> That's right. All right, there's music that indicates that, oh, we're done. We have completed two hours' worth of answering your garden questions and some... Uh, not so hilarious hilarity and uh so i should uh, thank everybody for listening and participating in the show we certainly appreciate that remember as we always tell you keep that shovel sharp it makes life easier be careful where you dibble we'll be back next week if you have questions you didn't get answered this week but we're going to come back here on legends 810 7 and 9 remember you can get to our podcast if you didn't if you didn't hear us today <laughs> And you don't hear us now. Well, you can go to a podcast on podbean.com, and we're also at podcast on our Facebook page. It is called The Garden Wise Guys. All right, uh, so we're going to get out of here and make room for the next show. We'll see you next week right here on Legends 810. The preceding program is sponsored by JK Communications.